When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We are so excited to bring you this show. Our podcast is all about unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed games. Each episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Assassin's Creed universe. From Pieces of Eden, Solar Flares, and the Isu, to the Hidden Ones, the Order of Ancients, and of course, the Animus. We will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby or SheCup. It's been a minute, but I'm glad to be back and glad to be talking about our topic today. Yeah, and I'm Austin or Teacup, and it's glad to have you back after our little hiatus and then you not going on because we were trying to avoid spoilers for the game you were playing. And so, yeah. Yeah, and I was also very busy that day that you recorded that episode, so it all worked out. Yeah, it was great. Um, and by very busy, I definitely mean sitting um, on a rain delay, waiting on the Taylor Swift concert to happen. So that's what I mean by very busy. It's all important things. But yeah, so let's get into our topic for the day. I know it's been a hot minute since I've been on, but I also know that this is our very last Assassin Cell episode, right? Right. Yes, that is true. So this is the last assassin cell that we see in the main timeline. Um, eventually, we will cover the events of Assassin's Creed Gold, but I have to read it first. Come on, I can't believe you're slacking on this thing that you're definitely not paid up for. This should take more precedent than your real life full time job. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But let's just uh, jump right in. Okay, so today we are talking about Sean Hastings' cell. So this is the cell that operates in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which you might be asking, Austin, is this just not Layla's cell again? No, Sean Hastings is in charge. Layla is not in charge of this the cell. Sean is. He is the one that is calling the shots, which 
is both makes sense and is a little terrifying. Yeah, I don't know anything about Layla's cell, obviously, since I wasn't on last time. But um, knowing what I know about Sean, it's going to like they're going to do what they need to do. But there's there's going to be some danger injuries and definitely sassy quips along the way. Always the sassy quips. Okay, so we'll just get right into it. So I need to tell you the members of this cell. It's not going to be big details because we know these members. We know about them. We know their background. We know where they come from. So obviously we have Layla Hassan, who is the main modern day protagonist through all of this events here. And then we have Rebecca Crane Hastings. She's just Rebecca Crane, actually. And Sean Hastings, who are there to help Layla after she's kind of had this deal with this isu artifact that took hold of her and they're just like william is basically just like hey like this has happened will you guys take care of this because you are the ones best equipped to deal with this and so that's how they all get together pro for william miles is this growth shelby is this growth that remains to be seen because when desmond has his episode william's just like throw him back in the animus keep going keep going keep going keep going i still don't like him right It can be growth if you want it to, but I don't like it. (laughs) All right. So after the Atlantis incident, Layla's relationship with her team, specifically Kiyoshi and Alana, becomes very strained. They don't trust her. They don't trust her after the staff of Herbie's took over her and did all of this stuff. So by May of 2020, she had been reassigned to the assassin cells with Sean Hastings and Rebecca Crane. Now, it's important to note that Sean and Rebecca basically operate as their own cell and their own unit just moving around and doing whatever they can. Both are now trained in combat. And so that's where Sean and Rebecca are basically kind of like, they're like the mentor-esque figures in this, rather than like the grunts going around and doing all the work. They're like, we've been through hell. We've been through this. Like, let's take a step back. Let's calmly do this. Let's make sure we do it right and we check all the boxes. It's also interesting because like, it feels almost like we've seen them grow up, especially Sean and Rebecca from when we started in the beginning. Like they were young, they were green. They, I mean, they knew things, they still had their education and they still had some experience, but just seeing them after everything they've gone through and everything we've gone through as the players, they've grown up a lot. Um, They've matured, we've matured, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Right. And so they are res- they are assigned to this. Layla is assigned to them because of their experience with Desmond and Lucy and the Apple of Eden, which makes sense. I mean, if you really think about it, by the time we get to Sean and Rebecca at this, they have not only dealt, they've dealt with the death of Desmond and William Miles is whatever psychotic break. They have dealt with Desmond being possessed and killing Lucy both of them, especially Rebecca, lost good friends during the purge, which was another kind of psychotic mind control break from Daniel Cross. And so there's just they've just they've been around for this. So in mid 20 or mid 2020, so probably around like June, July, they travel to Tokyo because Kiyoshi's been assigned to an assignment there. And so they're basically analyzing Isu artifacts. So Sean, Layla, and Rebecca all go to Tokyo to help Kiyoshi. The main entrances were poorly guarded. And so they're able to enter through the roof, bypassing the security. So basically an informant 
left them an encrypted note in an animus. After obtaining a decrypting note, they discovered the Templars were reporting were performing experience, experiments on a staff of Eden. So after Layla is the only one with any kind of animus experience, she enters into the memories of a Venetian assassin, Bastiano de Mezzo, and they discover that their informant was his modern-day descendant. They moved to extract him, intent on hindering the Templars' plans. The group moved to the, to secure the DNA analysis room and destroyed Dr. Kazu's DNA. The group basically found Dr. Uh, Kazu before Abstergo could use him. On, on the way, they also analyzed any data and documents they could about their experiments regarding the staff. Discovering, disguising the doctor as an Abstergo guard, the four assassins were successfully able to get him out of Abstergo. Along the way, however, the doctor got cut and trailed blood, leaving clues. So returning to the premises, they erase any kind of trace of Dr. Kazu, and they also stopped to erase DNA data from the Abstergo database. Before they could leave, they were cornered by Layla's nemesis and the assassin's nemesis, Otto Berg, who is no longer paralyzed from his encounter, last encounter with Layla. Animus technology, Isu technology, Abstergo, whatever. They can cure paralysis. They faced off as the building began to erupt in flames. Uh, on the four-on-one fight, they subdued Otso and the four assassins escaped. This was the last time that Kiyoshi would work with Layla because of just hard feelings. And so that's really their only mission that's like out in the field. The rest of it is going to take place in their time in the Americas. So this is probably a good time for a break before we get into the Valhalla spoilers. Okay, so I just have questions. So mm -hmm. Dr. Kazu Kazui is the one that was the descendant of the person that Layla inhabited while she was in the Animus. Correct. And so this happens in Assassin's Creed Odyssey? No. What does this happen in? Uh, comic. So how does Otso Berg become not a paraplegic anymore? We don't know. He's Isu technology. Okay. Abstergo, <laughs> Abstergo magic. I mean, if you really think about it, they've been researching the staffs, the shroud, all of this stuff. It's not unrealistic that they would come up with a cure for paralysis. No, it's not the it's not the um, most craziest thing I've ever heard. But yeah. But anyway, so yeah, let's go to the middle of the show. Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! Malaka! 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 I get the sense you two are ill-fit for whatever it is you're plotting. <laughs> this one takes us for a fool, brother. We sons of Ragnar have this well under control. No, we do not. Sons of Ragnar. I know of many, but never have I heard of dull and duller. So, the middle of the show is where we talk about all the things that have to do with the Assassin's Creed lore cast and not the lore of Assassin's Creed. So all the things that have to do with the podcast. So the first thing 
that I have to tell you about is about our Patreon. We do have a Patreon and we do do patron episodes when we have patrons at that tier and up. So if you want to come on the show and hang out with us once a month, definitely hop over to the Patreon and join us over there. And at certain tiers, you'll even get a shout out every single week. And at certain tiers, you can even come on the show for a topic of your own choosing. It's a pretty big deal. Um, but if you can't support us financially, we do understand that the next best way to support us is to leave us a comment or some kind of review online. And you can do that on Apple. You can do that on Spotify. Now you can leave comments as well as a rating on Spotify. And so I do have one on Spotify to read today. And this one came from J.P. Bebbington from our character deep dive on Bayek episode. And they said, a beautifully detailed and loving account of one of the best written and least appreciated characters in Assassin's Creed. Bravo. Thank you so much for that review. I think that episode is to this day, my favorite episode of the Assassin's Creed lore cast that we've ever done. So thanks again. Um, to update you about my playthrough a little bit is that it's gone nowhere. Um, and there's one reason for that. And you can't blame me, listeners. You can blame Austin because Jedi Survivor came out. And I'm pretty sure you've played it three times now through all the way. So you can say he's been hogging the Xbox a little bit. Sorry, he's on his third playthrough, but he's played it through fully twice. Um, so that's his fault, not mine. <laughs> Do you have anything yeah. to say for yourself? Um, I have no regrets. All right. That's fair. That's fair. So anyway, I'll be getting back into it like later this month. Um, you know, it's a busy time, but we're, I'm still, I'm still playing it just slowly, but surely. Um, and then the last thing I have to talk about is our discord server. We do have a server and we talk about all the fun things like Assassin's Creed, Dragon Age, Star Wars, um, Aragon, all other kinds of fandom stuff. So if you're interested in hanging out with us, interested in talking with other like-minded people, definitely join the discord and you can find the link in the episode description. And I think that's all we have for the middle of the show. So Austin, I'm gonna let you get back to it. Me, Haytham. I come in peace. Why are you speaking so slow? Sorry. What? Um, I, I was told you could train me. No. Go away. I'm not leaving. Bianca! Bianca! Is everything all right? What do you think? Look at this place. And poor Bianca. If something's happened to her. Aha! Oh, my darling. Thank God you're all right. Ezio, meet Bianca. Bianca, Ezio. Charmed. All right. Well, okay. So we're all still in 2020. Get it all. All this event happens within the same year. So in around August, the Earth's magnetic field continued to increase in potency since the 2012 
mass injection, which is the events of Assassin's Creed 3, where Desmond sacrifices himself, uh, resulting in huge electromagnetic disturbances worldwide and created an aurora borealis over the entire world. I just I I just have to pause here and kind of go. I can't suspend disbelief enough. The structure of the world from like a physics and scientific standpoint, like the ratio in which our gravity affects us, the amount of oxygen in our air, the rate at which our electromagnetic field around the Earth kind of operates and the magnetic field around the Earth operates, our distance from the sun, all of that. The margins for error in those things are small. Like, it does not, we would not have to move far out of our distance in orbit for us to either freeze or burn alive. So I just feel like any kind of disturbance to the magnetic field would have, like, almost immediate and very catastrophic consequences. You You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's fair. I also like, I guess I'm confused how, and I guess, again, it's also like suspending your disbelief, right? But it doesn't make sense to me how something like that could affect the whole entire globe. Like, it's just light, right? Well, so remember, basically, what what Desmond does when he sacrifices himself, he basically creates a giant force field around the Earth that allows the solar flare to basically pass through it. So he does tamper with the magnetic field of the Earth when he does that. So that's the the part is is that the what Desmond did affected the whole world, not the Aurora Borealis affecting. That's just a result of what Desmond did. So. So they were the team receives a strange message from an unknown location that promised a solution to this problem, which eventually led them to a Viking grave in North America dating to the ninth century. Now, I want to pause this because the archaeological discovery of this alone would send the whole world into uproar because that is centuries before the Vikings ever set foot on North America at least that we know about because like the Vikings that the Vikings and Danish and Norse were over in England at that time. So that would be a big, and even that, like they would say this, like you can have a conversation with Sean in there where he's like, Oh, I have to keep quiet about one of the biggest archeological discoveries of the century. Yeah, that's great. Um, so using her animus, Layla was able to relive the memories of the Norse warrior, Eivor, wolf kissed uh sean also placed a mood stabilizer on layla's neck to ensure that she did not succumb to the staff's influence again so basically they've learned and they've developed some technology that can basically like quiet your connection to the isu artifact this seems like it would have been useful two decades ago yeah 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 Mm -hmm. so initially layla basically had difficulty synchronizing with Avor because there are two different DNA streams that are overlapping in Avor's DNA, which we know this because she is a sage of Odin. So there is Odin's DNA and Layla's DNA interacting in this. And so they basically come up with a way to stabilize this so that she can explore the simulation. 
So while inside the assimilation, Layla encountered 10 strange floating symbols that when touched revealed a complex digital structure with a data packet at its top. These are basically kind of kind of similar to finding the glyphs and having a puzzle in Assassin's Creed 2 and 3 or and Brotherhood. And then but they're like they're also like parkour puzzles that you have to like jump around and do all of that. And so but when they come together they include a small video clip uh, that forms an Isu memory that showed nine members of the Isu uploading their DNA to the human gene pool using an odd device. Basically, she sees the seventh method of salvation when Odin uses it with all the Aesir, if you remember when we talked about that with uh, Yggdrasil. After synchronizing with Eivor's memories, ending with her discovery of Yggdrasil, of the world tree, below basically this area in north she travels to norway to ins to find the isu vault now this is important basically what they find out is that when desmond activated this grant activated the grand temple it never turned off no one ever turned it off so it has been basically messing and pumping this shield around the earth for a decade almost eight years so that's what's causing all of this catastrophe that's happening with the electromagnetic magnetic stuff and the Aurora Borealis. You know, that actually does make sense. Like, of right. course, they didn't turn it off because why would they have fought to turn it off? Right. And so basically, but this also says that the Grand Temple basically stretches in its own way, stretches from North America to Norway. So how does that work? I don't know. Or could it have been moved? It's also possible. But so basically they find the world tree, the supercomputer, and Layla ends up connecting herself to it, but she drops the staff of Hermes in the process, which basically makes her become vulnerable to the radiation present within the cave. So she basically enters into this broken simulation of Valhalla uh, that Eivor experienced in her own life. And she basically accesses the gray, which we've talked about before. Like Juno lives in the gray. It's like this weird metaphysical, like in between reality and the digital world. Like it's, I say she basically lives in the internet. Yes. Kind of basically. Uh, there she finds Basm and Loki's incarnation. And basically they stop the machine Though she unknowingly allows Basm to escape. And so Basm takes the staff with Aletheia and leaves. And this results in Layla's body dying. So after noticing Basm's absence, she encounters an entity that is known as the Reader. Now you're going to have questions about the Reader. I'm not going to answer the questions about the Reader. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, he informed her that... There was a specific node in that time that demanded the world to end. Basically, they kept preventing catastrophes, but this second catastrophe keeps popping up in other ways. As basically, in the gray, they basically have access to the like streams of data and the timeline and simulations that was accessed in the eye. If you remember the eye Isu artifact, the eye of Eden that allowed them to see and manipulate future timelines. 
So basically the reader is basically reading all these times trying to figure out how can I do this without preventing another catastrophe. He's trying to understand what the assassins could do to stop this. So because when Layla slows down the world tree and all that it's doing, there's going to be another catastrophe later on. And so Layla opts to to stay in the simulation and help the reader. Basically, basically, she says, what would happen if Desmond didn't sacrifice himself and allowed the catastrophe to happen? The second great catastrophe. And so that's kind of where it ends. And then as Basim escapes and he joins with Sean and Rebecca and he requests a meeting with William Miles so that it was time to take the fight directly to the Templars. William does agree to meet with him, though he meets with him via the Animus. And they have a quick conversation that you can experience in the last chapter of Valhalla, basically kind of saying, this is where we've got work to do to take the fight to the Templars. And that's all that Sean Hastings Cell does that we know of at this point. Um, do you have general thoughts? Because I have some general discussions about the Assassin's Cells as a whole that we could end with. But if you have any questions or thoughts. I just think it's interesting the whole like Layla decides to stay in um, this gray area. And it very much reminds me also of, I know we compare Dragon Age and Assassin's Creed sometimes, but I feel like it's very similar to the choice you have to make in Dragon Age Inquisition where you make the choice of whether or not you're going to leave Hawk or the Grey Warden and fade. And, you know, we don't know if they've survived that. So we also don't know if Layla has survived this. That's true. And so, well, Layla's body is dead. Her consciousness lives in the Grey, but her body yeah. is gone. But but her her soul, if you will, could it mm -hmm. still be out there? Yes, it's possible. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not telling you who the I'm not saying anything about the reader, because you need to experience it and do all that. But yeah, I think that this cell at least feels more like kind of Desmond's cell and William Miles's cell of like, oh, you're just sitting here with the animus and doing all that. Whereas like we spent a lot of time with Galena cell and xavier cell that was basically like okay we're gonna go and do stuff in the modern timeline yeah this very much feels like a wrap-up um to me like a, this is ending this is all that's left kind of thing so just kind of uh how do you feel about the assassin's creed as a whole and like even com combine this with another question of like what do you feel the cons to assassin cells are i do like the assassin cells and i think that they I think that they make more sense when you can be bigger and have like a hub in a city, I think, and like have like a whole loft that you rent out or something like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure that the smaller like strike groups are as effective um, because it feels like they're just on the run all the time. And I don't know if that's just the story and how it's been written, um, but that's just kind of how it feels to me. And so that's where I'm at with it. I do like these stories and I really enjoy seeing and building the cells in the games. Um, especially I loved that in revelations. So 
I like them. Um, I'm also, I will say, I'm also ready to talk about something new on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and so just like, uh, I think I agree with you a lot on that. I agree with the fact that I think that they do lend themselves. They're on the run a lot, which makes sense. Cause what do you do anytime you set up a major base at this point Abstergo's just going to pull whatever strings have and take it out so that makes sense um it'll be curious to see where the modern day story goes I kind of like the model that they've been doing in content wise of like not having as much of a heavy modern story and like showing us what the other assassins are doing in other media I do kind of like that um and then there's hints to it in the game I would like to see a little more modern day interaction. I know people dread the modern day missions in Assassin's Creed uh, 3, but especially that one in the sports arena. Yeah, I, um, I, there's not been a game that I've hated the modern day sequences as much as 3. But I will say going from 3 to Black Flag, where you, you don't really... I mean, you do have them, but like you're just walking around a building. I do feel like there's something missing a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess last question is like, do you have a favorite cell? I think we're both have the same answer for a favorite cell. And I think I could guess yours. But what is it? No, I want you to go first if you think you can guess mine. Uh, so my favorite is a tie between Gavin Banks's cell and Galena's cell. That's interesting because mine is a tie between Galena's cell, which is I'm sure what you were going to guess, and um, Francesco Vecellio's cell, the, oh, the first, first one, the first one we covered, even though his was like the most sad. But yeah, no, I just really liked, I don't know, it feels, I know that that one doesn't feel like a modern day cell, and it may just be because I enjoy history. But I do think cells are more effective when they're not in a modern age. Because it's just so it's just so easy to track people now. And with Abstergo's, you know, technology and superior hand and all that, how do you hide from them? Yeah, I know. It's fair. Fair point. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else, that's all I got for this episode. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We'll see you next week. listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at AC Lorecast. If you have any lore questions or topics to unpack, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. Find us on patreon.com slash Assassin's Creed Lorecast. The Assassin's Creed Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode's description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, make sure you give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. And always remember, Assassins, stay in the shadows to serve the light.
Have you ever wanted to deep dive into the lore and stories behind all your favorite Marvel movies? Then do we have the show for you. I'm Captain Shanko. And I'm Psych88. Join us as we dissect the media megalith that is the MCU. We'll talk about the origin stories, the fights, and everything in between. The MCU Lorecast releases on all major podcasting platforms on Mondays as part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club and can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.